0: He's been on vacation for a week. I do not know how the mute button works anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Huh? Mute? What? Huh? <laughs> there you go. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 432 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the full crew this week, Seth Miller and Fosma Moon. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You you relaxed, refreshed oh, yeah. after your trip. Oh, yeah. Well, your Patreon I'm subscribers right are going to stick around to hear where you went. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't t- don't give away too much. Uh, I will tell you this: life changes once your toddler knows how to open doors. <laughs> <laughs> <That's a tongue. laughs> like, you know, I mean, having a toddler, you're just mostly just making sure they don't die, and then this just adds a level of complexity because it used to be you could just close a door and you're like, they're not going to go in there. And they're not going to kill themselves. And now it, they can't. So <laughs> it's just it's added some fun.
0: But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking that, you know, finally owning a pressure washer was what growing up was all about. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what being middle aged is. OK, F. <laughs> right, so.
1: Do you do you have a, a gas powered one or one of the electric ones? Electric. That's, I, I found that they're actually pretty good. Like they're powerful enough to do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's, we moved in this house five years ago, and this is the first time I've pressure washed it, so I don't know how long prior to that they had done anything. So, obviously, if I did it a little more frequently, it would be a little better, but it's getting stuff off. I mean, the sort of before after. It's just the fun of, like, spraying it across and seeing the shrag fly off as <laughs> It's
1: kind of like here when you wash your car after there's been, like, a lot of pollen. and yeah. You're just like, oh, man, that's, that's a new car. <laughs> Um, tell me about China and U.S. slots. Is there an update to this?
0: We we talked about about this last week and there was, you know, the Financial Times put out a story basically saying that the U.S. refused to give China uh, an equal number of slots, 12 weekly, to match what China had given the U.S. uh, under the whatever idiocy of the still sort of COVID rules that are in place. Yeah. Unless China agreed that those planes would not overfly Russia en route to the United States. And... It's unclear just how accurate that was, mostly based on the fact that less than three days later, the U.S. granted those lots to China. Hmm. So China's up to 12, and there's no mention of not overflying uh, Russia in there. So we don't even know if that was actually what the requirement was. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was discussed, but it did not become a true requirement in the end. Uh, and the first of those four additional flights to get loaded was... Uh, Beijing JFK. So that's almost certainly going to overfly Russia one way or the other. Didn't Biden just have a meeting with Xi as
1: well? I thought there he was. Didn't in Yeah, I thought he was in. He wasn't in China, but he was somewhere. And I think he met up with Xi just recently. So I wonder if that had something to do with it as well. Yeah, I don't know. Where, maybe. Where did that event ha- happen? Like Ireland? I, it might have been. Yeah, I, c- I can't remember. I mean, I'm, I'll find it. Uh, okay. We, I, don't I don't know if he met with him. I know almost. someone from the government who met with him. Yeah. I just wonder if maybe that was part of the things discussed.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it was being discussed, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, his last meeting, it says, I mean, the only thing I can find is from November. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I yeah. thought I read something that they had, they had meant.
0: Yeah. But, so, you know, good ish news if More flights going to between the China and the U.S. Still nowhere close to full capacity, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, I mean, U.S. carriers, now that I mean, it's basically in line with. The two are equal now, right right uh, do we see an increase again to you know u s carriers I' am sure are pushing to go back into china
0: i mean it's, I'm sure at some point everybody wants the more slots to show up, but again the u s carriers can't operate the nonstops from the East coast very well right now, yeah, yeah, so it would it would not surprise me if they are say tepid towards seeing some of that come back to full levels while waiting to sort things out i I know that China has changed some of the testing rules, so but I don't know if the U.S. carriers are letting pilots overnight there yet or not. Gotcha. I, I mean, I guess it leads to a kind of a follow-up question. Some, some, num-
1: The U.S. carriers have diverted planes. I wouldn't say diverted. They've used those planes that they were using in China to other routes. Do you think if they got to go back into China and were willing to take, you know, put their pilots there, do you think that they would do that and pull those planes off these new routes that they've started?
0: Yeah, if the profits were. Fair, why not? Yeah. If they, if they can make more money out of it, this sort of goes back. And, you know, a couple of weeks we were talk- ago, we were talking about the American Airlines and moving stuff around. And they put out an, in their earnings call part of one of the slides for their earnings call a couple of weeks ago was basically that wide body growth in the international markets represents 80 per- ish percent of long haul growth year over year for the summer. And I struggled with that because it turns out part of the reason for that is they actually are shrinking short of all capacity internationally, um, which is why the long haul number isn't 80% and yet represents 80% of the growth. Um, but it's a, it seems that, you know, the U S carriers can move them around and do some things like that rather than having wide bodies on domestic routes. So there is room to play with that. Yep. Um, it also depends on the airline though, right? Like American has significantly fewer wide bodies than it had, Four years ago, United is close to the same, Yep, if not a few more. So uh, different airlines, different plans, different concerns. And I would imagine they can play some games with the fleet utilization if they need to. Yeah, It does look like uh, the U.S. carriers are now having nonstop flights filed into China. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I noticed San Francisco,
0: I think Shanghai um, is operating. On United, yeah. Delta's got Seattle, Detroit, Shanghai nonstops, and American has DFW filed as well shanghai yeah
1: yeah and none of those have to go over the over russia i think the detroit one maybe struggles a little bit or is i think they're using an a350 on it which so maybe it doesn't struggle as much but i know that if winds are bad over alaska i I would be interested to see how that does Uh, yeah yeah um united is bringing fries on board as the side dish for the cheeseburger
0: (laughs) i don't know why this is news are
1: they are they resurrecting their old McDonald's
0: partnership I heard they were going with McDowell's this time instead.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, here and I was hoping for a happy meal. Oh,
0: man. That's what they do. They hand it to you as you hand the on, step on the plane? It's like, um, it, 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 I just it, want to know why they're not doing tater tots. Why Why would you want tater tots? Well, A, because they're delicious. B, because I think they reheat better than french fries. Well, I don't disagree with those facts. I just...
1: I guess, what did they serve before with the cheeseburger? Nothing?
0: A little salad.
1: Yeah. Mm. So you get a salad and fries?
0: No. We got rid of the salad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this gets better. Uh, I don't know. Fries reheating on an airplane. I don't I don't have to see. I'm guessing they're going to be like steak fries with like really thick potatoes. Sure. What do you think? I think it's a terrible idea. It is. Foz? I think it's a horrible idea. Did you guys ever, I mean, were you guys ever fans of the cheeseburger
0: in Domestic First?
1: It I was not. It wasn't good.
0: It's been a long time since I had. I, I vaguely remember enjoying it at one point, and then having it again more recently. And like, is this the same thing? Was this any good? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it changed, if I changed. Um... I think I think the cheeseburger of like
1: ten years ago wasn't bad. I don't think it was great, but it wasn't definitely wasn't good. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it wasn't wasn't bad. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the fries thing, but I guess it's what people want.
0: Um, the FAA and the Max. Tell me about it. So this came up actually uh, from a listener of ours uh, about 15 minutes after we finished recording last week. So excellent timing on that one. Uh, But basically there's an article out with the AP saying that at one point shortly after the Ethiopian MAX crash, uh, a number of FAA officials and engineers were trying to get the plane grounded more quickly and were overruled because the document that they wrote suggesting a high chance of an additional accident was not formally completed and did not go through the necessary managerial review due to a lack of detailed flight data. Um, And so when they finally waited for the original data to arrive, they were then able to say, yes, it looks like that's accurate. We should ground the plane. Um, What's interesting about that to me, I mean, there's a lot of things. One is how much do you trust the gut feeling of an engineer that, gosh these things look mighty similar and unt- and unt- you know do you trust that without all of the data necessarily in place especially when it's a safety situation how much are you willing to react that way uh and also it was very interesting i remember contemporaneously when the crash happened that the uh the company is it arian that does the adsb space tracking <laughs> on the iridium satellites yeah um Kind of made some noise about the fact that they received a request from the FAA and for a copy of the data they had. And almost immediately after providing that data, the planes were grounded. And they basically said, yes, our data is what put the FAA over the edge to confirm that this plane needs to be grounded. And so that sort of lines up with this report now, four years later.
1: I mean, I don't have a problem with it an engineer's gut like i i would rather err on the side of caution right like what you've had a crash and then you had a second crash and they're saying you need to ground these planes um i don't know like wh- why wouldn't you i mean is it it's if it's all about money um then okay i get it <laughs> but if it's if you actually care about the customers and the people who will be flying on your planes an engineer saying hey this is a problem i think is is something you should recognize it's happened before in history right where you look at you look at like the the things that NASA's put in place right for space launches after, uh you know the Challenger explosion, yeah. Or or even before then right like, uh, before what was the the first one the big one uh, the fire on board. They just, they, uh, was it Apollo or was there was the one before Apollo? The Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. Um. Then you know they put safety protocols in place for a reason. To me, it seems like the bureaucracy is on the wrong side of this right where you're saying I've got to have all of this stuff to to ground an airplane. Yeah. You know? If you look at the government interaction with corporate industry over the last 30 years, right, corporate industry has a lot more control over the government than historically has. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think there's a lot more influence, right? I think that's, I mean, money talks and people want to get paid. Just so. just go pull the statistics on how much, lobbyist, uh, how much lobbyist money is being flowed through Washington in like the 2000s versus in the 70s and 80s. Although, although I'll say on the flip side, Fuzz, like if you look at the crashes that happened I mean, there were crashes in the seventies and eighties too. Yep, with with the same model of airplane, um, and those planes weren't necessarily grounded
0: for quite a while. Um, I don't, I don't know. Part well, part of that, I think, is that the planes today are inherently more complex. So solving the grounding issues and the technical issues and associated with that mm. uh, is very challenging. I mean, I think wasn't really planning on doing this right here in the in the. Uh, show notes but if we segue a little bit into go first bankruptcy in india this week or last week it's sort of a similar situation in that half their fleet was grounded because the pratt and whitney engines aren't working right so they might mm. mom pratt obviously has slightly different take on the situation but you know how much can you handle of this technology and we've talked about engines being sort of very complex and more troubles lately in new models than in history uh but it's more than just pratt and whitney at this point i mean there was a picture from making the rounds from iraqi airways where like that bright green she thing that goes around where the main turbine blade is Mm -hmm. had been like scraped up by the blade shredding from like from the blade rubbing it It, that is it's not clear but i think that's implied and that's scary as hell yeah so
1: I mean, Faz has said it before, right? Like, we've we've been pushing the edge of, like, the technology, right? Like, we've been pushing the edge of engine technology to make them better and more efficient and quieter. Yeah. Um, and it, with all of that comes complexity, like you said. And more complex means it takes longer to solve the issues um, and, and figure out what's going on. And so yeah. I get part of it. I think, I think it's a bad look in some ways for the FAA, though, that they sat on some of this um, until they had confirmation. Like, if there had been a third crash... Right. Like that would have been really bad. Yeah. What's the you, qu- mean, you know, but, but the question then becomes, is it the FAA and Boeing, right? Because if you yeah. think back to the eighties and nineties, we had a rudder problem with the early 737s. Yeah. And we did nothing for a long time. That's true. And Boeing and Boeing should be re- required or we should be expected to, to say, Hey, wait a second, this is our plane. We're going to make some changes and you need to ground the plane until then. Frick. Whereas when McDonald Douglas had a problem with the uh, MD eighty and the jack screw yep. in the tail, they got grounded overnight. Yep. Definitely. Um. Tell me about some new seats in the Arabian, tra- Arabian travel market. Did you actually go? Sir?
0: No, I didn't. I just want to point out. Uh, go first. I just want to finish sort of on that topic. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go first is fully grounded. They uh, filed for the Indian version of bankruptcy protection, and unlike on- uh, U.S. Chapter 11, apparently the lessers, the aircraft owners there, went after the planes and are trying to get a bunch of them pulled out of country. In, in the U.S. under bankruptcy protection, as the debtor, the the leasing company basically can't do anything until the court lets them. And if, that seems to not be the case in India. So that's kind of exciting. Um, Swiss has said a third of its uh, A220 fleet is grounded because it's also used the gear turbofan. Uh, Air Baltic has talked and complained about its planes. They had one that's been grounded more than a year. With engine issues, so there's some crazy shit going on there. It's more than just uh, go first. So, yeah, I mean, again. it'd be interesting to see what Pratt and Whitney comes out and says about all this, because
1: you got very little so far. Yeah, it's, it's, it's silence is golden, I guess. Uh. <laughs>
0: uh, but, but moving on from that, uh, new seats. There's a lot of new interesting stuff coming out. So, fly Dubai. This, this was, I think, two weeks ago. Maybe, maybe yeah. it was last week. I can't tell anymore. Fly Dubai and Saudia both announced new uh, single-aisle flatbed suites. So I think it's Saudia is using the same seat as JetBlue basically has on their mint, which is the Vantage Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, And Fly Dubai is going with something else, which I have to know. They're calling it their business suite. Um, And that's a seat that's, uh, I guess, Collins. No, saffron. Saffron's view seat. They're the launch customer, it would seem, uh, at least for the max. So it's interesting that one. The nice thing about the saffron seat is your head is in the aisle and you're sort of facing the window, mm-hmm. as opposed to the JetBlue seat where your head is in the window and you're facing the aisle. Neither in neither case are you actually next to the window to look out it. I that see. Seems great. Yeah. But that's one of the complex you know challenges of having a single aisle plane and wanting flatbeds, and density that's useful to the airline. I'm con- I'm convinced
1: though low cost carrier means nothing anymore. Like wasn't wasn't Fly Dubai a low cost carrier or is a low cost carrier? Sure, but what does I mean?
0: Has exactly. exactly. Met, has low cost carrier meant anything for a long time? I don't I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a conundrum. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it means that they try to keep their costs low, but it hasn't. And arguably, it sort of means unbundled services, but not even that necessarily. So it's hard to.
1: Have they always offered a business product like this though, or a business product?
0: uh for a long time i always okay. covers a lot but yes um since 2019 they've had flat beds on their Maxin okay. this is their second or third i think this is their third premium product or and one of is a regional sort of not bed solution but this one and the 2019 one are both beds so it's not entirely out of norm for flight to buy. okay okay it just seems it seems like an odd thing but yeah i guess not no, i mean it they fly a lot of six, seven, eight hour routes. I'm so sure. Saudi is going to do the same thing, right? Saudi is to, taking their uh, seat. I think they're saying that plane is going to go up into Europe. It's going to go across. Uh, I think they would listed out some seats uh, in the markets that they serve. Milan, Barcelona, Brussels, Rome, the Maldives, Dakar, um, Indian subcontinent. So, yeah, they, they are expecting to see, serve a relatively long range of flights. I can't wait wait to go on flyer talk and see hear the gnashing of
1: teeth about a single aisle plane flying into Europe from Saudi Arabia or into the Maldives. Oh man. Huh. Okay, joke over. With no alcohol, with no alcohol. Yeah, don't forget that. Worst experience ever. <laughs> um, and then what about Etihad? or seven eighty seven got some new seats, right?
0: Yeah, the seven eighty seven is getting um, a new business suite as well a business studio they all got different brand names that's the one that's a collins uh aerospace seat um which is also a new product on the market relatively speaking mm-hmm. um it has evolved from the a350 1000 for etihad so it's, it is very much a new seat uh it's flying on starlux as well um on their a350s but this is the first time it'll be on a 787 i would argue that more significant on the Etihad front is they picked Viasat internet for these planes. Okay. So, the Wi-Fi sh- you know, should be nice. There, there's a little bit of a problem there in that they've got to get the other satellites in orbit. And so, oh, I right out of Florida we, at rocket launch. Um, Viasat doesn't really have global KA band coverage right now. And so, without right. that, the internet service will be great where it exists, but there's a whole lot of the Middle East, Asia, Africa, et cetera, where there's no cap, no capacity at all. Oh, interesting. So, oopsie. How many, how, how many more satellites do they have? They need to launch. Uh, two more. So they're doing base. They're doing a, a three-satellite constellation for global coverage, uh, on top of the existing other satellites they have. They have, four or five, I think, in service that basically cover the Americas right now. Okay. And. Viasat also leases capacity on one over the Middle East. So there's some coverage there, but not full range. Um, you can't get all the way between Europe and the Middle East with, mm-hmm. without dropping. Gotcha. Um, so the second of the new Viasat satellites is supposed to go up uh, around October of this year. And then the third is supposed to go up. And that, that was going to go cover EMEA. And then the Asia Pacific one is supposed to go up Q1, Q2 up next year.
1: Gotcha. Okay, that's good.
0: So, and these planes don't get delivered till Q three, so it could be six to eight months of weird internet, t- but it should get solved relatively quickly.
1: Yeah. Um, we've got Breeze starting a Mexico route. They're they're going to do L A to Cabo.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Don't a bunch of other carriers
0: do this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like six or seven flights a day. <laughs> And they're gonna fly once a week.
1: <laughs> That'll make a difference.
0: Well, so here's the thing on that, right? It's I I wonder about this a little bit. Like, does it mean they don't have to compete on price? They can offer a premium product that people will actually pay for because that's a market that is, if they ha- offer an affordable, right? I mean, you sell your their premium product. If they sell that around where Delta's selling Comfort Plus, or United sells like the premium of even more sp- even more leg room. No, mm. Plus, uh, JetBlue is even more space because JetBlue flies the route, right? If you, if you price it around that same spot and call it your first class and, you know, have your free Wi-Fi on board, like for those 125 passengers or 140 passengers, whatever it is a day, a week, does that become slightly compelling at least? It Are they do they not have anywhere to
1: else to fly that A220? Is it because of their weird schedules that they have to do this? I mean, that's kind of what it seems like.
0: I mean, have to is a relative term. They're choosing to.
1: Well, I mean, you just don't want the plane to sit around. I, I get sure. that. Like it, it seems odd to start this route out of LA that's got a ton of competition when you could potentially use that plane elsewhere where there's maybe less comp- like it doesn't seem like a
0: maybe, Yeah, it, I, it, is, I mean, it is maybe it you're is right. that they're choosing a route and this is one of the like the only route they've chosen to start so far that has not just one but multiple compa- competing airlines on it. Yeah, that is definitely different, but they clearly think they can get the yield, so
1: okay. More power to them. Well, let's see if it runs before they can't <laughs> Yeah, let's see if they actually operate it. Uh, and then Delta has some H- Haneda uh, slot flexibility, or they're trying to get some slot flexibility.
0: They're trying. So this is... Haneda's weird. Haneda... The U.S. and Japan have an open skies agreement that in theory lets anybody fly anywhere as yeah. much as they want. Um, it has for a relatively long time. Remember, like, U.S.-Japan also had the onward fifth freedom route since the end of World War II. Uh, but Haneda was always limited, separate from all the other rules. U S airlines sort of didn't have access to Haneda. And then when they originally got access in like 2010 ish, 12 ish, it was midnight departures only. And there were only four permitted. And then it was 12. It grew to 12 plus no night restrictions or mostly no night restrictions in 2019 Mm-hmm. And the airlines fought tooth and nail for those slots in 2019. And then, of course, 2020, uh, the world ended. And so all of that planning started of was for naught. And this, in the case of Delta, it lobbied hard because it did not have a partner in Japan that it should have priority access at Haneda. So it could just move all of its operations to one place and not have to keep a split operation for the connections. And the DOT found that compelling, and actually granted said request. And so Delta moved, had seven daily flights. They all moved over to Pineda, and then. But the way the DOT allocated those slots, they were tied to U.S. gateways. So you couldn't just say we want we want to fly. You had to say we want to fly in from this airport, and mm-hmm. that is very atypical in a open skies arrangement. Huh. And so now Delta's saying like hey, this doesn't make any sense, the market has shifted, you should let us, you know, let the free market decide where we use these slots, and oh, by the way, we don't want to give them up, and we don't want to go through a new hearing to see if you're going to reallocate them to one of our competitors instead of letting us keep using them just somewhere else. Which ones do they want to get rid of? They were not explicit about that, but in the filing they included a graph showing that... uh and here he, this is another fun one. Delta has a bad habit of showing graphs, to, you know, with statistics to support their position that are not outright false, but also not entirely true. Yep. They chose to use data through March of 2023, which is before any of Japan's restrictions really lifted. Yep. As a reflection of what how terrible demand is and how how they need flexibility going forward when in you know One could argue, well, but now that you like have started flying the planes again and have access to those markets, shouldn't demand come back because people don't have to get tested, you know, and all those other things. So that's an interesting extra little bit in the Delta world. But they are Minneapolis has not recovered very well. Hawaii has definitely not recovered very well. Um, Interestingly to me, American Airlines seems to have agreed with Delta, at least initially saying. Yeah, we can understand why it'd be nice to have some flexibility here. We we would support that. <laughs> um, but what, do they, is, how, what do they what do they want? <laughs> right.
1: Well, this is the heathrow situation all over again when they got the Miami slot. And then they, just they, it. Did they
0: like lobby for it somehow? That one was that one was as defined in the process. You had to operate in Miami for three years and then you could move it. And Delta did. And same with Philly, right? They operated the slots for the minimum time they had to and talked about how great they were for business. And then the minute they had the opportunity to go and actually do something that was truly useful for business, they walked away from the idiocy. <laughs> so
1: what what does American want then?
0: Or do we have any do we have any idea? American has said they support Delta's flexibility request, presumably so that De- American can also move some of its slots right now. The flexibility would be only for up to two slot pairs and only for a three-year trial period, although everybody obviously assumes that if the trial will go fine and it will get, become permanent, um, but Delta has done its best to make it sound like they don't really think this is a permanent change.
1: I want to know what they would want to operate instead.
0: Probably more uh, LA or Seattle. Yeah, I was thinking, I, w- I was assuming they'd go double daily in some of the markets where they're only single daily now. it mm, makes sense
1: keep keep portland you think no dead yeah they might also they might also consider salt lake for connecting flow well, that can make sense yeah can, does, they did that for a while tenderito
0: did they Yeah. say i mean i don't know how performances do they have hot high issues there they do but if they're doing with an a350 i don't think it's a problem or maybe the 330 neo could all yeah they, probably probably the neo yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting yeah um United has not weighed in as of Sunday afternoon when we're recording this. So that's, that's the other one that obviously, if there's an objection, it gets dicey for, uh, the DOT to decide how to handle it.
1: I feel like United's kind of happy with what they got going on. Yeah. You know, they've got newer San Francisco, and LA,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Like United, Chicago, has Chicago, Chicago, and they're operating Chicago. Yeah. Right. This is the question of, you know, and United has the onward partner feed from ANA. Is United happier keeping? More operations there.
1: I mean, the Haneda traffic, the, the from Newark right, and Chicago, those flights are going out pretty full.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't know. I I think like like we talked about though, like the China connections and stuff. Like Japan's like a clear place to do that. Yeah, I think I think United's pretty pleased with how things are going. Yeah, and, and they're still flying Newark and I think Chicago to Narita as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got two flights a day to Tokyo to two different airports, and they're doing fine.
0: I can see that with the China connections, I would imagine that the Narita flights are basically all people going through, to, or many of those are people going through to China. Maybe. I mean, it's It'd interesting to see that. that data. It's probably beyond
1: China, beyond Japan too, but beyond, beyond yeah. China, because there's a lot of, like Chicago to, you know, there, you can do one stop to any number of places in Asia. Uh, yeah. Same thing from Newark, because those are the only Asian destinations they're flying right now. They're not doing Hong Kong.
0: San Francisco, Hong Kong still hasn't come back. No, San back. Francisco,
1: Hong Kong has, but Newark and Chicago, Hong Kong have.
0: Yeah, like because they can't fly via Russia. Yeah.
1: Um. Let's talk about Norse and their winter plans. Hey, listen, man, I want to go to Thailand in the winter too, <laughs> or maybe the Caribbean. Uh, is that was—is that what they're going to do? Is they're just going to operate some one-offs to these places?
0: they're not even one-off. They're doing full-on-scheduled full service. They're going to do daily flights from Gatwick to Barbados. And then the other flight, they're going to do a, take one of the planes and split it between, I think, was it Kingston and Montego Bay, Jamaica? Yeah. And then another plane's going to fly, Oslo to Bangkok. Hmm. And that... Oslo to Bangkok is a very strong market uh, in the winter. So like, that one makes some sense to me. Um... All these markets make some sense to me. Like they all have solid demand. It's a question of whether Norse can convert on that, or if it's you know they're gonna end up very unhappy with where what people are actually willing to fly. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking
1: that's that's a lot of seats to fill. Yeah, I mean, right? You can you can sell good package tours to the Caribbean. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oslo Bangkok is only twice a week. Okay, I think so. So. I it's mean, that's probably that's not terrible. It's probably you enough know. for holiday travelers, right?
0: But the Bridgetown one is daily, which Barbados, UK Barbados traffic. Remember that was a Concorde route at one point. Yeah, yeah. That's... That that I we don't I I say we. I think Americans mostly wonder about that a lot, but that market for whatever reason has always been big.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I've, I get it. It's you know, it's a hot destination or a warm destination when it's gray and rainy and the uk so
0: like yeah it's it's weird to me like why that of all the caribbean markets right mm-hmm. like why that over jamaica why that over the virgin islands or any other number of markets but that one for whatever reason has proven resil strong premium traffic and resilient over the years now obviously norse is not going to be taking the premium traffic that used to fly concord but uh,
1: i would say barbados probably because it's more developed than some of the other the british uh virgin islands right yeah and jamaica there's a safety aspect of it, or if you want to leave the resort. Plus, it's a lot more developed than Barbados. Hmm, yeah. Um. What else we got here? Oracle Opera Hotel Management.
0: A little bit of a problem. This is yeah. This one came in from motor of listeners. Thanks, Reed. Right? Uh, it turns out that it's terrible software with massive security holes in it, and they they're like, oh no, it's fine, but. It seems that if you happen to have your... If you're a hotel that had your instance visible on the internet, it was possible for someone to attack it in a way that gave them basically uh, root access to run anything they wanted on the server without credentials. <laughs> um, It's unclear if this was actually ever really uh, compromised in a way that you know has impact consumers, but definitely not good.
1: Wow. I mean, the image that they have of the portal is freaking dated.
0: Yeah, if you read the story uh, in the show notes that we linked to the guys, the guy who did it was like, yeah, we uh, decided to, we were at some like, you know, hackathon, whatever, and we just saw the log on screen and figured, look at it, this looks like it's from Copy Server in the 90s or something. I'm sure there's a bug in this one. And they were right, but it was literally like, we chose this one because it looked bad. And giving off some GeoCities vibes is the question. <laughs> <fact>. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind
1: of look like GeoCities. I'll give them that.
0: I will say, though, I logged on to something the other day and got a, like, about the author link to a Tripod page. <laughs> I didn't know if Tripod.com was still alive.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Air Canada is going to give a free Wi-Fi option for other loyalty programs? Really? So this is... I, I'm
0: obviously obsessed with Wi-Fi on airplanes, and we don't talk about it enough in my mind, but I try to, like, be nice to our listeners. <laughs> um, so it's free messaging uh, as of last week uh, globally. And okay. so that's cool. Um, it's just messaging, but at least it's free. Uh, the interesting thing about it is like, we think like Delta's version of free Wi-Fi, you have to log in, which you know is fine. But on Delta's, you have to log in using your SkyBiles number. Mm-hmm. JetBlue arguably had the same thing, except there was always... And it, since the beginning, you were supposed to log in using your TrueBlue account. On the JetBlue one, there's always a guest option. Okay. Um, in this case, though, Air Canada is doing a... They want you to be an, aer- an AeroPlan member, but if you happen to be a member of a strategic partner program and they named uh, Emirates, Miles and & More, and United and of in the release, and they said there's others, I don't know which the others are, but if you're a member of one of those, you can also use the free without having to also have an AeroPlan account. Hmm. So it's sort of respecting the fact that you might be a partner player rather than tied to the company that's offering the service. I like
1: that. I do too. I I want to see the implementation. I I'd love to know what they're doing to authenticate all this. But
0: yeah, it's they they say you have to have the number on your booking. Okay. So um, uh, it would seem that that authentication happens at some point during the reservation process. Okay. You that know, and, then and then it just and then it just says okay when this person logs in or goes to yeah. it
1: and they get it. Yeah.
0: I I have not seen the implementation directly either, of course, but uh, I like the idea.
1: I like the idea. Yeah, follows. This can come in handy for you. Sure, you're you're a new Air Canada lover, I think. Slowly chipping away at 500 miles of time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a time. Uh, Beautiful journey.
1: <laughs> um, and then the a- FAA has canceled plans to move 30 controllers from Long Island to Pennsylvania as part of the airspace reassignment. What?
0: So remember, we talked a couple. We- I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about this. That the FAA was reassigning some of the airspace south of. Newark to the Philadelphia Center from New York Center. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh that has that involved initially moving a bunch of controllers from Long Island down to uh Philly to work in that center and handle those planes because they're gonna shift some of the demand. Now, what's weird about that to me, there's a couple things. One, if they're not moving these people, are they still moving the airspace? And that's not clear. Two the whole point was to have more, or when it, it seemed that the point was to have more controllers in New York able to handle the New York space. Um, and so if they were going to make, you know, take the planes away, but then also take the controllers away, how is that going to work? Yep. So some open questions here, but apparently the uh, protests from the controllers were heard by the FAA and they have backed off of the plan to force transfers on people. Wow. So that's mostly good news, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: <sighs> um, Delta is adding Laguardia Salt Lake City for a couple of months this summer. What?
0: Nice line, right? Yeah. Uh, it is longer than fifteen hundred miles, which I'm is a problem it's... because of the uh, perimeter rule at Laguardia. So is it uh, running on Saturdays, or they have? Special... Okay. Yep. So There's the perimeter we... rule at Laguardia is, doesn't exist on Saturdays. So once a week. Once a week, you can fly Delta on an a two twenty one hundred. So that's like, what, 115 seats, I think? I don't know. It kind of sounds like fun.
1: But why? <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you connecting to that this makes sense? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's once a week, man. I, I understand. But well, what's the point? Is there really that much O&D traffic for Salt Lake City on a, once a week? Or like what's what's really going on, right? You can connect to any number of other hubs to go beyond that. That's a good question. I mean, what if it's more about traffic on the LaGuardia side? Uh, okay, but to, I mean Salt Lake to LaGuardia to somewhere. Again, why would you want to connect in LaGuardia? <laughs> I don't know. Why why like I question people who want to connect in New York, period. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, any any thoughts, Seth? I, I have no idea why they're doing it. I mean, I, I have some my thoughts on why they're doing it. Part of it, I imagine, is also like summer slot, like the, is slot usage and there's some flexibility in the slots this summer. So maybe they're trying this out to see with, you know, if they have to cancel a bunch of them or something else, maybe the FA I mean, will be a little more forgiving in some of those ways. But I personally, for
1: my gut says Delta is trying to use this. They will price this play under others to force people on it to come back and say, we need to have this permanently. Oh. Interesting. I can see that. I think I think United should go with like LA Laguardia then on Saturday. Spirit did that, remember? Yeah. I think they should do that or something something stupid like that.
0: Spirit Spirit absolutely ran uh LA Laguardia for uh a hot second last sender?
1: or Alaska do it out of Seattle? That'd be awesome.
0: Netflix. Saturday only service doesn't work for I don't want to say obvious, obvious reasons, but for obvious reasons.
1: I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, Just for for
0: giggles. (laughs) I mean, way back in the day, Continental used to run Aruba. Yeah,
1: they did. Oh, that's right, yeah, because they they were like, oh, we can run it once a day and make some money.
0: They ran it once a week for the straight-up, like, for uh, timeshare traffic, and it was a plane that basically would I think came in from Houston late the night before, wasn't going to do an extra Houston turn because they didn't need as many flights down there because it wasn't business travel week. And then it did its turn, and then Sunday through Friday would do its Houston business traveler stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So. Uh, last up, let's talk about top carriers at GFK. Now, I'll take a guess. The number one and two. American and Delta. Nope. No? Yeah. Really? Yep. You're, you, you got one, right? Yeah, Blue's number two. Delta's number one. JetBlue number two. Okay, American number three? American number three. Okay. Uh, B.A., uh, uh so this we... is where this is where it gets really can we, can we
0: be careful here what are we counting by number seats. average daily departures. average yeah, daily seat. departures not seats you're not seats okay i gonna say because i can sort this data many different ways
1: yeah, yeah have, okay so number of departures okay so it couldn't be ba then because they run what a flight every hour from the morning time i guess so i'll give the, the number three is america with 96 departures the net number four is 12 daily departures average I'd have to go... I mean, I think it's Alaska at that point. You are correct. But who's... Okay, so then where's B.A. on this? Just behind them. No, number six. Avianca has... Avianca and B.A. are tied for nine.
0: Uh, I guess it depends. Which month were you looking at? I'm looking at May and B.A. beats Avianca, but yeah. I'd forget.
1: Okay. I forget. I I forget where I read this, but I did read it somewhere. But it, the Alaska thing was the one that would surprise me the most. Huh. I, I'm sup. Yeah... I would never think Alaska is one in the top five carriers of JFK.
0: Well, also, though, like, is having 12 departures a day, like, is that a lot? Like, for an airport as big as JFK?
1: I mean, going if number three was, like, just under 100 and uh, Alaska's at 12-ish, yeah. that's a pretty big drop. I wonder, I mean, if you flip it and you said by seats.
0: I wonder, um, around. by seats it VA moves ahead of Alaska. Okay. And Virgin Atlantic becomes uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6th with just under 60,000 but only uh, 7 daily departures. Okay. Air France, Emirates, and then Avianca round out the top 10. Aer Lingus, KLM, LATAM, Turkish. I'm actually certain... I don't think we talked about this. Do you see Turkish has a daytime flight from JFK now? Yes. No, I didn't see. What time does it leave? In like 7 a.m. or something? 6. Holy shit. Then it gets in at like 11 p.m., but technically it's a daytime flight. I mean, it's actually it's kind of nice. I
1: mean, leaving at 6 a.m. brutal, but
0: and I mean, arriving at midnight, like unless you're connecting onward, yeah, is tough. Also, just by the time you get through, I mean, you land at 11:30. It's gonna be it's gonna be like 12:30 by the time you can walk to immigration with how big that airport is.
1: I mean, I guess the upside is if you stay awake the entire time, which I've seen people do on transatlantics, and I don't know what they're doing. I guess you are adjusted because then you just crash when you get to the hotel.
0: That's the theory. I mean, but
1: there's a bunch of flights that run after midnight, right? And so it's great for those because you're not getting into your destination at like two in the morning. I mean, yeah, I I could see because you could theoretically use this as like the flights that go to like Tbilisi, like some of those weird uh, 4 a.m. arrivals.
0: Uh, That's
1: freaking brutal, though. Like Pakistan and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can roll in at 6 a.m. now, 7 a.m. instead of middle of the night.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, it makes sense to me for those routes. If it's, I think it's rough if you're just going to Istanbul. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think that's a show, guys. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah.
0: No? I hear pills. Little... Sorry. About... <laughs> it's it's spring. It's finally sprung here, and I've got the windows open. It's okay. I <laughs> made out a couple months of this.
1: Uh, I think for our Patreon subscribers, we've got Foz's trip report. We've got some fun stuff to talk about. We've got some uh, Go Wild Pass marketing for the summer and then uh, some premium carriers from Bermuda that we're going to talk about as well for the Patreon subscribers. If you're not one, you can become one if you'd like. Uh, or you just leave us a comment or tweet us. We love to hear from you guys. As you heard from uh, Seth, we had a, f- a number of comments from listeners this week. So we loved hearing from, from our listeners. So just send us a comment. We'll talk to you next time. Happy travels. Take care. Bye-bye.